Welcome back to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We'll be right back with today's guest, but we want to say uh, thanks to our podcast partners, the global community of women in high school sports, and We Coach. Both of these organizations have tremendous resources for your coaches and for you as an AD. So check them out. Go to wecoachsports.org. And for the global community, go to global community of women in sports.org. Once again, uh, there are two great organizations. You should be an ally. Uh, get on board with the global community of women in high school sports and we coach. And now let's hear from our sponsors. We want to say thanks to Gipper for their support. Go to Gipper.com and see how athletic directors are creating world-class marketing content for their school's social media channels. You can do it in seconds on any device, and you don't need any design experience. Use the podcast code of ADPOD10, that's A-D-P-O-D-1-0, and you'll get 10% off. Go to Gipper.com, start creating custom-branded content for your school's social media channels. We also want to say thanks to Hometown Ticketing. Go to hometownticketing.com and they will show you how to set up and sell your tickets online for your athletic events. They'll show you how to scan the attendees and collect the revenue. And every step of the way, you'll have a dedicated client success manager to provide hands-on support. That's every step of the way. Go to hometownticketing.com. They'll also show you how you can sell tickets for things like school dances theater productions, uh, music performances, even graduation. That's hometownticketing.com. Simple and easy online ticketing. We also want to say thanks to Huddle. Huddle is how the world sees sports. Go to huddle.com and see how over 200,000 teams across 40 sports are using Huddle to help their teams play better. As a Head football coach, I used Huddle for years, but as an athletic director, we were a Huddle school. And our coaches just love the smart cameras, the mobile apps. Of course, they love the analytics, but there's so much more. Go to Huddle.com and you'll find a professional grade solution for the challenges you face as an athletic director. Go to Huddle.com and see why teams believe in Huddle. Over 6 million users. Go to Huddle.com and find out how your school can become a huddle school. That's huddle.com. We also want to say thanks to Final Forms. Um, Final Forms is the industry leader in registration, but there's so much more than that. Final Forms can help your stakeholders, they can help your coaches, and they can help you as an athletic director with things like eligibility, with rosters, with communication, with attendance. Um, Also help with all the forms that come across your desk. It's time that you talk to a team that's walked in your shoes. To take the next steps, go to finalforms.com forward slash Jake. That's finalforms.com forward slash Jake to get started with Final Forms. We also want to say thanks to SnapRaise. Go to snapraise.com and see how athletic directors and coaches are raising thousands and thousands of dollars with the SnapRaise program. Better fundraising makes better athletic departments. And with SnapRaise, there's no upfront cost. Uh, Your data is secure. And what's more important, it works. 
our coaches used snap rays and it was just fantastic as an athletic director. I knew what was going on, but I didn't have to be involved. You can put the snap raise digital fundraising difference to work. It's easy. It's safe. And it's effective. Go to snapraise.com and check out the thousands and thousands of dollars that they've helped schools just like yours raise using Snap Raise. Change your fundraising game plan and start a fundraiser that works for you. Go to snapraise.com to get started. We also want to thank Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. They sponsor the Athletic Director's Toolbox segment of our podcast. Athletic Surveys... Um, uh, allow you to collect um, very easily and very affordably comprehensive data that helps you evaluate and improve your entire athletic program. Go to athleticsurveys.com and check out their testimonials and then email them at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started. If you've never used a survey to take the pulse of your players or your parents, you're really missing out. Talk to the pros at Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack and let them help you take your athletic program from good to great. We also want to thank our friends at Vital Signs Wall of Fame. You know, they're on a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. They've got a variety of interactive touchscreen video consoles and an entire library of templates to help recognize the athletic achievements of your students, both past and present. If you're looking for a really cool way to display your school's record boards or your school's Hall of Fame, go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. Let them help you showcase your school's diverse history and your proudest moments. You can also email them at sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com to get started. That's sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. And we want to say thanks to our good friends at Sideline Interactive. Sideline Interactive's Indoor scoring tables and video boards not only generate income for your department, but also create the ultimate game day experience for your athletes. Go to sidelineinteractive.com and check out their uh, fantastic products and see exactly what they can do for you. You can also email them at sales at sidelineinteractive.com and schedule a live web demo and see their tables and boards in action. That's sales at sidelineinteractive.com. Check them out today, and their customer service is just outstanding. Sidelineinteractive.com. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We've got a very special guest today, an old friend uh, who's uh, doing some new things. Uh, our guest is Dave Suter. Dave is a certified Master Athletic Administrator, Longtime athletic director in the state of New Jersey. Uh, he'll get into some of the other things that he's doing, but I do want to mention he is the assistant executive director for the New Jersey Athletic Directors Association. So, Dave Suter, welcome to the podcast. Jake, thanks. It's great to be here. I'm enjoying what we in New Jersey call a second summer day. Um, we have, uh, we're in shorts and t shirts till about mid September. And then we get about 10 days of freezing our butts off. Not that you, you in Florida would even know anything about that. But, uh, and then we get another couple of weeks uh, back into shorts and t-shirts. And then it's to the great weather here in New Jersey, which is shorts and a sweatshirt. That's like the best weather in the world. But right now we're in our, in our second summer. So, but I said, glad to be here and uh, 
appreciate uh, you're asking me and I appreciate our friendship for sure. Oh, well, guys, again, it's one of those things uh, should have happened a long time ago. So uh, I appreciate you uh, coming on today. For our listeners, we're recording this on September 26th. Uh, so um, we're going to see um, uh, when you're listening to this, you're going to already know how the uh, latest Florida hurricane uh, turned out. Uh, hopefully we're not going to have to evacuate. But for now, we're safe. And uh, let's go get started with our visit with David Suter. Dave, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So give us that, uh, you know, three minute bio, um, take us up through maybe the college years and then we'll take a break and then we'll come back and, uh, let you share about your career. So what's the David Souter origin story? Well, I was born now, uh, long as I can remember, I've been involved in sports. Um, and we're a few years in, you can tell by the snow on the roof here that, uh, that it's been a while. Um, earliest memories are, are playing organized sports was Little League um, in New Jersey um, back in the 1990s. Um, wasn't a whole lot of organized soccer and that kind of stuff. Basically, it was peewee football or Little League, that sort of thing. Um, so really, the majority of my sports playing as a as a young person was were in unorganized games. You know, sandlot baseball, uh, pick up basketball with the, the folks, you know, in the neighborhood. Um, fortunately, grew up in an era and in a neighborhood where, like, in the summertime, mom would kick us out of the house after breakfast and say, I don't want to see it till lunch. And then after lunch, get on out until it starts to get dark and then come home for supper. So, you know, we were out organizing our own sports. Um, so those are my earliest memories, just, you know backyard baseball, all kinds of different things that we could come up with just to entertain ourselves. Um, moved on to Faith Christian High School, which was a small um, private school in Collingswood, New Jersey, and played three sports there, um, played soccer, basketball, and baseball. And the main reason for that was that was all we had. Um, you know, due to the size of the school and the student body, we had, you know, the, the, the young men played Soccer, basketball, baseball. The girls played field hockey, basketball, and softball. And that was about the extent of the, the athletic offerings there. Um, loved doing it. Um, enjoyed it very, very much. Made lasting friendships. There are guys that I play golf with to this day that I played high school sports with. So, you know, th those friendships uh, were fantastic. Um, didn't play athletics. It didn't play athletics in college at all um basically had to work to cover tuition and that sort of thing so would go to class and work in my dad and my uncle's uh, business and kind of worked my way through uh through college that way um and then obviously continued my involvement with sports you know as we'll talk about later you know in terms of my career in athletic administration and coaching uh but still active today uh I said, we are, we're sitting here on a very beautiful day when if Jake and I weren't hanging out together, I'd probably be on the golf course at the moment. Uh, so still very involved in, uh, in golf and play, play quite a bit of racquetball as well. Yeah. I see your pictures. Uh, your frequent poster of those golf outings, uh, makes me a little bit jealous. Um, 
I'm glad you mentioned the unorganized sports uh, back in the day. Uh, I'm just a couple years older than you. So again, that was my experience growing up. Uh, I think the first organized team, you know, with adult coaches and things like that. Uh, gosh, I think it wasn't until the sixth grade for me uh, played baseball. I didn't have a long baseball career, uh, but then getting into junior high and high, high school, you know, you play the organized sports, but those backyard football games, we had a big yard. And so the kids from our neighborhood, they kind of matriculated to, uh, to our backyard. And, uh, you know, those were those, um, you know, early tests, you know, testing yourself against the bigger kids, uh, you know, you know, getting picked and all that. Uh, you got a memory from uh, those backyard days for you that particularly sticks out? Well, I, I do know that the first fist fight I was ever involved in um, was in a uh, a sandlot baseball game with my cousin. But that was a great thing about those unorganized sports was you had to, as young people, you had to work things out. You know, and, uh, you know, very, very rarely did somebody say, it's my ball, I'm taking it and going home. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we learned the skills of compromise, of discussion, sometimes heated discussion, but that's not a bad thing either necessarily. But those are my, uh, you know, one, some of the memories. We had a basketball backboard in the backyard, and we had lines drawn in the backyard. We'd throw a tennis ball, and depending on how far it went, it was a single, a double. Uh, and, and one of the key rules that I remember from that is, is that our ghost runner on second base does not necessarily score on a single. I love it. Uh, we didn't do it in, in the neighborhood, but we, I remember playing that guy. I think it was maybe third or fourth grade uh, during recess. Great, great stuff. Um, for our, our listeners, our guest today is David Suter. It's a longtime athletic director, certified master athletic administrator, uh, still very active in the profession. He's the assistant executive director for the AD Association in New Jersey. We're going to take a quick break, the first of several, but we'll be back. Please stay with us. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to thank our good friends at Gipper for their support of the podcast. Go to Gipper.com and see how athletic directors are creating world-class marketing content for their school social media channels. You can do it in seconds on any device, and you don't need any design experience. It's so easy, even I can do it. Go to Gipper.com, tell them you heard about it on the podcast, and use the podcast code ADPOD10, that's ADPOD10, get 10% off. Gipper.com, create custom branded content for your school's social media channels gipper.com welcome back everyone to the educational ad podcast dave really appreciate you taking us down memory lane uh you know certainly brought back some great memories of my uh youth in the backyards um take us on that next step of your uh journey um you know out of college I assume there was some teaching and coaching um, involved, but uh, also share with our listeners that point where, uh, as I like to say, you decided to go to the other side of the desk uh, and become an athletic director. So, uh, you know, let's hear that story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll tell you very, again, very early on, um, it was like around fourth grade or so. I knew that I was going to be a phys ed teacher. I just, I mean, that early, um, very, very influenced by my, elementary phys ed teacher, Skip Crawford, 
And also my aunt Marge Suter was a uh, phys ed professional. Actually, she was in the first graduating class of women phys ed majors from Glassboro State College here in New Jersey. Okay. Um, so both Skip and my Aunt Marge were Glassboro State graduates. And since I wanted to be a phys ed major, I went to Glassboro State, um, now Rowan University. Um, graduated there and in 1984, I took my first job. I actually went back to my alma mater, my high school. I went to Faith Christian School, um, served as the phys ed teacher for K through 12. Um, as well as I was the, the men's basketball coach. Eventually, um, over a couple of years, I became, uh, actually, I guess it was the very next year, they asked me to be the dean of students and the athletic director, as well as the K-12 phys ed teacher and the men's basketball coach. And that kind of kind of whetted my appetite a little bit for the, the, the field of athletic administration. Again, small school, small conference, it wasn't a, an overly time-consuming job, but uh, again, it kind of piqued my interest a little bit. Um, then in 1987, I got the opportunity to transition into um, public education and came to Salem High School um, as the teacher of physical education and driver education, and also was primarily, or not primarily, but additionally was hired to be the men's varsity basketball coach. Uh, so spent uh, 11 good years um, as a health and phys ed teacher, uh, coached men's basketball that whole stretch of time. Also did a little bit of football coaching um, just because they needed a body, not because I knew that much about football necessarily. Um, and also spent quite a few years as the JV baseball coach until the dream coaching job opened up in 1996 when I was able to step in as the varsity golf coach. There is no coaching gig in the world better than being the varsity golf coach. You get to play golf every day and they still throw money at you. So uh, in 1996, I uh, did that for about three years until 1998, the superintendent of schools came and said, hey, Dave, our athletic director is retiring. We'd really like you to step into that role when he retires, um, which, again, I had had my interest peaked prior. I was like, oh, that's really cool. And he goes, yeah, you need to have a master's in supervision in order to, to assume that role, which is a requirement here in the state of New Jersey. So I actually did a master's degree in supervision with an emphasis on athletic administration in 16 months. Um, blessings to my wife for putting up with me during that period of time, but was able to complete the coursework and stepped in um, July 1, 1999, stepped in as the director of athletics and student activities at Salem High School. Um, as I used to say, uh, that was my transition over to the dark side. You said the other the other deck. Uh, I I just call it going over to the dark side, uh, in terms of administration and that sort of thing, and really continued there until uh, October first, twenty fourteen, which was my retirement day, uh, which lasted all of about six months, uh, and then was contacted by another school district in uh, in South Jersey. They were looking for an interim athletic director. 
So uh, after some negotiations of time and that sort of thing, stepped into that role for a few years. Again, decided it was time to retire. Three months later, couldn't do it. Um, and then stepped in uh, to a position at Rowan University, Glassboro State, now Rowan University, where um, I'm very happy to be a member, of, an adjunct faculty member of the health and phys ed department. I teach classes in elementary physical education, uh, in K to 12 curriculum design. And when needed, I go out into the field and supervise some student teachers. Well, what a great, uh, you know, kind of a bookend experience uh, for your career there, um, you know, helping, uh, you know, we'll, and we'll get to mentors later on, but, you know, helping to mentor and develop that next generation of teachers and coaches, you know, very, very cool stuff. Um, as you um, look at uh, those, uh, let's say, fresh faces, you know, people coming into the profession, um, what's one thing, I mean, obviously technology, but what's one thing that you share with them how the position of, you know, teaching PE has, uh, and the PE teaching experience has changed since, uh, you know, you and I first got started uh, all those years ago? One of the biggest changes, other than obviously the, you know, the students, I mean, students are very, very different um, than they were 20, 25 years ago. But I think also the, the change in emphasis to wellness I think when we both started, you know, as consumers of physical education and then as early on providers of physical education, a lot of it was sports specific skills, that sort of thing. I think the emphasis on wellness that has developed um, into the curriculums over the last 10, 15 years, I think is a, a big change and um, a necessary change. The idea of getting kids into lifetime sports and recognition that that health and wellness is a lifetime pursuit, I think is one of the bigger changes that's occurred from when I was a consumer and early teacher in physical education uh, to where we're, we're directing our, our pre-teachers now. Oh, no, I, I agree a hundred percent. I can still remember those early, you know, first, second, third grade uh, PE classes where it was equal parts, uh, president's physical fitness test training, um, you know, JFK and, and LBJ, their focus on, you know, just, you know, making sure America's youth wasn't falling behind. And then the other hand, you know, you were being, you were playing games, you were being taught how to play sports games. Um, so again, I, I think it's, you're spot on with that observation and you're right. I think it was a needed direction to take the way, uh, you know, we've grown as a society, but that's, uh, a discussion for another podcast. Uh, our guest today uh, is David Souter. He's a certified master athletic administrator, longtime AD in New Jersey, current adjunct faculty member at Rowan University in New Jersey, and the assistant executive director for the New Jersey Athletic Directors Association. We're going to take another break, but please stay with us. We'll be back with more. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thanks to our good friends at Hometown Ticketing, the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. Go to hometownticketing.com, and they're going to show you how to set up and sell your tickets online for your athletic events. They'll show you how to scan the attendees that come to your games and collect your revenue. And every step of the way, you'll have a dedicated client success manager that's providing hands-on support. Go to hometownticketing.com. They'll also show you how to set up and sell tickets for things like school dances, 
uh, theater productions, music concerts, even graduation. You can sell tickets. You can sell tickets online and Hometown Ticketing is your partner. Go to hometownticketing.com to get started today. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Dave, you uh, you mentioned, you know, some of your family members that uh, obviously, you know, served in a mentoring role uh, to get you started. Uh, we always like to let our guests have a chance to give those mentors a shout out. None of us get to where we're at on our own. So who are some of the people that have helped you along the way in your journey? I, I mean, first, obviously, have to be my parents. Um, and one of the key things that, that my parents taught me is that that you can can interweave your 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 faith into your everyday life uh, my parents are are both um, people of faith and that was one of the things that that they kind of helped all of us my, my brother and sister as well to to understand um probably early on my high school basketball coach Pete Stevenson um was the one that just kind of showed me the ropes um of you know how a coach acts um you know and kind of understood the passion of coaching at that point but also understood the commitment of coaching um and also the the development of relationship and um you know for anyone who's involved in athletics it's uh it's those the relationship development that's really a key part of things and when you when you transition again over to the dark side a lot of times you miss some of those relationships, but then you find out that new relationships are built, um, you know, as, as you work away. And I mean, a, a great example of that is, uh, is our friend, Bob Hopek, um, who is the executive director of the, the DAANJ, New Jersey's athletic director association. Um, you know, Bob is, is one who takes athletic directors under his wing and kind of helps them through the journey, um, both at, through the state and national organizations. And then finally, I mean, just got to, give the shout out to my wife, of course. Um, I mentioned earlier that I did a master's degree in 16 months. Um, and that while she was um, here at home with with two toddlers. Um, so that that makes a big difference. And um, as anyone in the profession actually realizes that the AD life is not a nine to five set schedule type of deal. It's, uh, it's very, very fluid. So, um, you know, a spouse partner that, that gets involved with an athletic director has got to be somebody who, who has that flexibility as well. And then also just the fact that my wife just let me be me. Um, oftentimes a joke that um, she actually ended up raising three kids, our son, our daughter, and myself, uh, because, uh, you know, just being willing to to put up with my wanting to go out and play or do this, do that. Uh, that was great. So those are the folks that have had the biggest influence in terms of mostly my life and, 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 and somewhat uh, influenced my career as well. Um, really appreciate you sharing that. Um, I'm going to throw you a curveball. Um, and you talk about, you know, you were getting that master's degree and the wife was staying home. Um, that's not a um, an uncommon situation, you know, where the the job, you know, has such a uh, uh, places such a demand. What were some things that you did, maybe not during that era with toddlers, but as maybe as the kids got older, what were some things that you did to kind of help create family moments? Uh, anything stick out for you? 
Well, I, I can, um, my wife and I joke every Valentine's Day about prior to my athletic administration career, but when I was coaching basketball, Valentine's Day, obviously occurring in the middle of basketball season, there were many, many nights where our romantic Valentine's dinner was in the coach's office at Salem High School. Um, you know, she would come in before practice started and bring in and we'd have our Valentine's dinner there. Uh, often joke with our kids that uh, that they thought the gymnasium at Salem High School was their second home. Um, one of the, the great things, and you know, people have different opinions on this, I love the fact that my kids ended up attending the high school where I was working. Um, I was able to see a lot of their contests um, when they were playing, you know, uh, mini soccer and, and softball and baseball, it was very hard to get to some of those games uh, because they conflicted with responsibilities at school. But once they got into the high school, um, I was seeing at least half of their games. And fortunately, there were many times when um, colleagues in the Tri-County Conference where, where we competed um, were in similar situations. And so we would oftentimes schedule home and home contests. Normally, if my baseball team was home, my softball team would travel away. Um, we got to the point where I would schedule them both at, at home. And that way I could pop back and forth, at least between the fields and watch both of them compete. And then when they were both away, I could actually take the afternoon off, travel uh, you know, to the away site and actually get to watch them a little bit more as well. So we tried to make as many opportunities of being together as we could. Um, don't know how many of uh, the folks that are um, listeners to your podcast are from the, the Northeast section of the United States, but uh, section one has every summer, they have what they call the Summer Institute, mm -hmm. which is a professional development program for athletic administrators. And it's up on Cape Cod and it's always billed as a family situation. So as an athletic administrator, we would go up, take the family we would do classes, they would go to the beach, and then we would have the evenings to spend time together as well. Yeah, I actually, uh, you know, our kids were grown and out of school, but uh, my wife and I went up, I took my final two uh, CMAA courses at the uh, Section 1 retreat there in Cape Cod, and you're absolutely right, it was a great experience uh, for the two of us. And, and going back to school, you know, we were very fortunate, my wife was a coach. Uh, and we coached at the same school where I was an AD and our kids obviously went there. So that was a great experience, some great memories. You're right. You know, the, uh, there's just some events you just can't make and, and you do the best you can, but, you know, trying to turn it into a family experience, uh, definitely, uh, is the right way to go for our listeners. Our guest today is David Suter, certified master athletic administrator, longtime athletic director in the state of New Jersey. We're going to take another break, but we'll be back. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thanks to our good friends at Huddle. Go to huddle.com. Huddle is how the world sees sports. Over 200,000 teams across 40 different sports are using Huddle to help their athletes play better. As a football coach, I used Huddle for years, but as an athletic director, we were a Huddle school. And our coaches just love the smart cameras, the mobile apps. Of course, they love the analytics, but there's so much more. Huddle is also built for every level of play, from club and youth teams, all the way through high school, colleges, and even the pros are using Huddle. Go to huddle.com and see how teams 
believe in Huddle. Over 6 million users can't be wrong. Go to Huddle.com and see how your school can become a Huddle school. That's Huddle.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest is David Souter, Certified Master Athletic Administrator from New Jersey. Dave, you and I have been doing this for a long time. Obviously, we're both retired. Um, but we have a lot of young listeners, a lot of young ADs, even new ADs. Um, and I think it's important for them to hear about the journey that we all take uh, with our state association and with the NIAAA. So share a little bit. How did you first hear about the New Jersey Association? How did you get involved? And how did that lead to your NIAAA involvement? Well, the, as I mentioned before, when I uh, was asked to to prepare and take over um, the role of director of athletics and student activities at Salem High School, the previous athletic administrator was a DAA and a J member. Um, so it was just kind of just what you did in terms of, of being involved. Um, and I got to throw a, I got to throw a quick one in here. I got a shout out to the DAA and J because it is the oldest. Athletic Administrators Association in the United States. Got to just throw that that little plug in there. Uh, but got involved um, with the DAANJ um, pretty early on. Um, served as a conference workshop presenter. Um, I think either my second or third year as an athletic administrator and continued to do that um, and was involved with, um, you know, just interacting with some of the leadership um, of the State Athletic Association and uh, was fortunate enough in 2010 to be asked to join the Board of Trustees, um, joined serving as originally as a trustee for um, our local county. Um, and then when I retired, was asked to remain on the board and started taking positions of leadership at like uh, I was the conference and membership chair and then eventually transitioned into um, the liaison uh, for the New Jersey Athletic, or Athletic Directors Association with uh, with the NIAAA, became the professional development certification uh, chairperson as well. And eventually in 2019, um, assumed a position in a newly created um, assistant athletic or executive director uh, position for the DAANJ. And, you know, in terms of the NIAAA, one of the things that I never had to worry about was deciding whether I was going to join the NIAAA because New Jersey for a very long time has been a dual membership state. When you join the State Athletic Directors Association, you automatically join the National Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association as well. So, you know, that got me in. Um, it was just kind of another card that sat in, you know, another membership card that sat in my desk or whatever. Um, and then in 2008, I had my opportunity to attend my first national conference, um, attended the national conference in San Diego, California, and was absolutely bit by the bug as it were. Um, haven't, haven't missed a national conference since looking forward to Nashville, um, in a couple of months as well. Um, so much to the point that in 2009, I actually, uh, I presented at the national conference a year later. So I, the first one was 2008, 
Um, I presented actually a portion of my CMAA project. I used that as a presentation um, at the national conference. I had the opportunity again to present last year um, and really enjoyed doing that. But other than that, you know, being a member of the delegate assembly, being a moderator, all the things, all those are just different opportunities to step in and serve where needed, which any organization needs. Um, they need people to, to step and fill in, um, you know, where that help is needed. Um, was very, very fortunate that uh, our good friend Bruce Brown and Dr. David Hoke um, kind of led me onto the, the national faculty for um, LTC 723. Um, so I was able to begin teaching um, that course at the national level. Um, and with the unfortunate passing uh, of Bruce, um, was I was asked to to take over the chairmanship um, of that LTC. So I've been serving in that role. And then uh, last year, got to uh, work um, with some great colleagues in the development of LTC 712, which is the uh, the ethics course. Um, so it's just been just a really cool way to get involved. And uh, this December, I will be joining the certification committee for uh, for a stint. So I said, it just kind of evolves. And when opportunities arise, you put yourself out there and see what happens. Uh, I really appreciate you sharing that. And, and you and I have a, a similar timeline. I got involved with, um, you know, NIAAA, you know, later in, in my career. But uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, whether it's the state or the national association, it's you know going to the conference. You know that's step one. Uh, it's you know going to the sessions, going to the workshops, taking the LTI courses, introducing yourself to um, faculty members, volunteering to s serve on committees, and uh, you know the I, I was just telling someone, you know that. Uh, uh, CMAA doesn't just magically appear uh, after your name. Uh, you know you you need to, uh, you know, make yourself known. You need to get yourself out there and you do that by volunteering. Um, uh, boy, I was on certification for gosh, I think about six or seven years. So best committee, uh, best leadership, uh, you're going to have a blast with that. Uh, looking forward to that for sure. Yeah. Once again, for our listeners, our guest today is David Suter, certified master athletic administrator, uh, does a lot of things among them. He's the assistant executive director for the New Jersey Athletic Directors Association. We're going to take another quick break. Regular listeners will not be surprised, but we will be back. Uh, please stay with us. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to thank our friends at Sideline Interactive for their support of the podcast. Sideline Interactive's indoor scoring tables and video boards not only generate income for your department, but they also create the ultimate game day experience for your athletes. We've got a sideline interactive indoor scoring table in our gym, and it's just fantastic. Uh, of course, we use it for home games, but we also use it for pep rallies, for signing ceremonies. It's tremendously versatile, and the customer service is just fantastic. Go to sidelineinteractive.com and schedule a live web demo and see their tables and boards in action. You can also email them at sales at sidelineinteractive.com to see exactly what their fantastic products can do for you. That's sales at sidelineinteractive.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. David, one of the things we try to do with this podcast is the idea of sharing best 
practices. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little. What are some things that you've seen at the schools you've been at, maybe even initiatives that you created that you really take a lot of pride in? Uh, do you have any best practices you can share with us? I'm going to tell you probably the three things that I found most important thinking about um, you know, my career in athletic administration um, was the first was the importance, not only of my own professional development, but the importance of providing professional development opportunities for my coaches. Um, as an athletic administrator, I think you really need to be that person that is leading in professional development. Unfortunately, um, or maybe fortunately, depending on your perspective, I guess, a lot of knowledge is, is disseminated over YouTube. Um, there's a lot of great YouTube coaching channels that our coaches can get information from, but they really need to go to in-person clinics and professional development opportunities to help work on not only developing their their technical and tactical skills, but also working on those skills of developing relationships within their sport. Um, you know, one of the things that we did, we made sure that we put money budgeted every year for our coaches to travel to clinics. Um, you know, again, it's, it's very easy sometimes and convenient to sit there and click on the, the computer button and watch a video, but you don't learn from the experience of being with other people and being able to pick their brains um, like you do when you go um, to in-person type of situations. Um, the second is that whether it's a school that you are transitioning into administration from or moving into a new school, you have to you have to learn about that school. And one of the things you need to do is you need to help embrace the traditions of the school. Um, recognizing the fact, especially in our community, um, where where I had the opportunity to to teach and also serve as an AD, um, the school is very central. And understanding that, understanding the traditions that were involved, um, Salem High School and across the, the way, Woodstown High School have the third oldest high school Thanksgiving Day football rivalry in the state of New Jersey. Um, we, we, were, we were up over 100, 110 years, I'm not sure exactly what the date is, of consecutive Thanksgiving Day football games being played. So, you know. Those kind of traditions need to be embraced. Um, our homecoming, every year, um, a lot of our classes set up their class reunions around homecoming weekend, uh, which I think is a great tradition. And then certainly you need to celebrate um, those people from your, your school that um, have been successful and, and hold them up as role models whenever you can. Um, great football player, Lydell Mitchell who went to uh, mm -hmm. Penn, Penn State and then played for the Baltimore Colts uh, for 10 or 11 years, um, was a Salem High School graduate. So whenever we have the had the opportunity, we would bring Lydell in um, to talk. And excitingly, um, kind of just kind of the bookends, if you will, um, currently for the Indianapolis Colts, and we won't go into how that move occurred, uh, but currently for the Indianapolis Colts running back, uh, Jonathan Taylor um, out of Wisconsin and now at playing for the Colts as well, was a Salem High School graduate. So the opportunity to, to celebrate and 
um, the accomplishments and and use them as as potential role models for our kids is great. And then the third thing I think any athletic director needs to do is you need to develop a spirit of hospitality. When somebody comes to your school, you need to make them feel like they're coming into your home. Um, there are opponents. They're not our enemies or whatever. They need to feel like they're being welcomed as part of the experience. Um, I probably should have given a shout out to my to my grandmother, who was an immigrant from Ireland and came over. And one of the big things that she always taught us was there's always room around the table for someone else. One of her favorite expressions was, if you want to come over supper, we'll throw an extra cup of water in the soup. Um, just the idea that, that you know, you need to, to, to be demonstrating hospitality to be welcoming. So I'd say the three big things, uh, best practices are make sure you're educating your coaches, embrace the traditions of your school, and, and, and be hospitable. Make people feel welcome when they come to your facility. Boy, those are all great, uh, great ideas. And I, I'm a big fan of, you know, the traditions, the history. Uh, and, you know, I, I've been fortunate to be a part of two startup schools. Uh, and I, I would always tell our kids and our parents, hey, we're making history right now. So uh, very cool stuff. Dave, we'll do this at the end of the podcast. But if one of our listeners wanted to reach out, pick your brain a little bit more, find out, uh, um, you know, some some more tips What's the best way that they can get a hold of you? Well, certainly um, I'm on my email very, very frequently. Um, and my email address is david.suter, S-U-I-T-E-R dot C-M-A-A at gmail.com. Um, would love to hear from folks. I, I love sharing thoughts, opinions, um, you know, and I would be glad to uh, have someone reach out and just say, you know, they listened and, you know, pick something up, at least that one little nugget. Uh, that's what we talk about, getting that one nugget. So, uh, again, we'll do this at the end, but david.suter.cmaa at gmail.com. Thanks uh, for giving that out. Uh, we're going to take another break, but we'll be back. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We also want to say thanks to our good friends at Vital Signs Wall of Fame. You know, they're on a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. If you're looking for a really cool way to display your school's school record boards for all your sports or your school's Hall of Fame, go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. They've got a library of interactive touchscreen consoles and templates to help recognize the athletic achievements of your students, both past and present. Let them help you showcase your school's diverse history and your proudest moments and go to vitalsignswalloffame.com or you can email them at sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com to get started. That's sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Uh, David, you and I were talking uh, during the break, and, you know, we're two-plus years uh, into um, hopefully coming out of uh, the COVID experience, which certainly impacted athletics and athletic directors across the country. So what are some of your observations about it? And, and again, maybe some ideas moving forward. Well, I want to first start out by, by just – absolutely 
giving a shout out to all those athletic directors across the country that kept things going during the COVID shutdowns. Um, I was, I say to this day, I said it from the, from the get-go, um, I'm actually kind of relieved that, that I had retired prior um, to having to deal with that because um, talking with many colleagues, just the constant changes that were going on, not knowing from one day to the next exactly what the rules were, what the the different responses to the pandemic would be, I thought was just, I, I'm sure we would have handled it had I been in the office, but the fact that I didn't have to um, kind of made me smile a little bit in some of those mornings. But just the idea in listening and talking to colleagues across the country when everybody else was shut down, athletic administrators were selling, were going, okay, how can we make this work for our kids? Recognizing the importance of breaking up that isolation a little bit, getting them to where they could interact with um, their fellow student athletes. I mean, who would have ever thought of having virtual practice but yet our coaches, our athletic administrators, the people in interscholastic athletics, recognizing the importance and the value of that outlet and that mode of educating our young people, I think went above and beyond in terms of making sure that our kids had whatever opportunities were available. And again, I, I think I mentioned flexibility before because with a lot of the different responses of various health organiz organizations, you know, it might be, one thing might be happening in County A and not happening in County B. And just having to constantly be looking and being flexible, you know, we, we get a schedule set up and then, you know, the folks that were coming to visit us, half their kids tested positive the night before. Um, so just that, that flexibility that was demonstrated, I think was, was phenomenal. Um, you know, hopefully we're getting into that post-COVID era. Um, it's it's great to drive around and see the parking lots full again after school, to see those activities going on, um, to see Friday night lights happening um, as we're driving, you know, just to see that slow return to, um, to normalcy, to getting back to what we were used to doing. Um, which was providing educational opportunity through sport. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, two things come to mind uh, as you were talking. Uh, one is, uh, you know, our own uh, Florida's uh, Lannis Robinson. You know, he made the comment very early on uh, in COVID here in Florida that he could think of no better person or uh, um, leader to be in um uh, to be addressing COVID than athletic directors who are constantly working, you know, uh, you know, maybe putting out fires and planning ahead. Um, and even with our own state and obviously across the country, uh, there were different responses, um, you know, from school district, uh, you know, in Florida, the state didn't take over our governor. I don't think our governor ever admitted that COVID even existed. Uh, so what was, what's uh, maybe one or two things, maybe just one thing, that sticks out from your experience, you know, two years ago 
of you know an athletic director or school or organization really responding in a let's say a, a beyond the call of duty way well i think you're absolutely correct um in quoting lannis there um the skill set that is necessary to be an athletic a quality athletic administrator um those are the skill sets that were needed to handle the situation and in talking with colleagues many of them were unintentionally the lead person in terms of the response um that their schools had yeah and, and again uh it, it's not surprising uh, you know i i always say this that um next to academics there's more kids involved in athletics than any other program at any school um so uh, again who better uh, and who more appropriate than the athletic director uh to be that point person not that the ad's uh you know, enjoyed that. I, I think I picked my retirement date at, uh, at just the right moment. Exactly. Uh, again, for our listeners, our guest today is David Suter, certified master athletic administrator, longtime AD in the state of New Jersey, and still very active at the state and the national level. We're going to take another break, but please stay with us. We've got more good stuff coming on the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thanks to the good folks at Final Forms for their support. Final Forms is the industry leader in registration, but there's so much more than that. Final Forms can help your stakeholders with things like mobile accessibility. They've got reminders about uh, policies, about physicals, and all the forms that go with athletics. Final Forms can also help your coaches with things like attendance and communication. And for athletic directors, Final Forms can help with eligibility, with rosters, and all the reports that come across your desk. You know, it's time that you talk to a team that's walked in your shoes. To take the next steps, go to finalforms.com forward slash Jake. That's finalforms.com forward slash Jake to get started with Final Forms. We also want to say thanks to SnapRaise. Go to snapraise.com and see how their fundraising platform can help you raise thousands of dollars. Get away from the fundraising headaches of the past. There's no upfront costs. There's no inventory. There's no selling. And what's more important, it works. Choosing the best fundraiser for you and your program is critical. And you can put the SnapRaise digital difference to work at your school. Our coaches used it, and it was just fantastic. As an athletic director, I knew what was going on, but I wasn't involved. Go to snapraise.com and check out the thousands of dollars that they have helped schools just like yours raise using SnapRaise. Change your fundraising game plan and start a fundraiser that works for you. Go to snapraise.com to get started. Dave, I've seen this topic discussed a lot um, recently on a couple different uh, formats. And, um, you know, you alluded to it during one of our breaks, uh, the officials shortage, uh, you know, it's occurring, you know, in every state, you know, in every sport. Um, I still work as a high school basketball official and, and work as a, as a high school and college track official. So I know some of the challenges out there, but, you know, for our listeners, what's your take on it? And, and do you have any advice on how we can get more officials involved and bring them back? And, and once they get back, keep them there. Yeah, um, was was thinking originally. My thought was how COVID 
impacted the availability of officials. But then thinking about it a little bit, realize that, that that official shortage was just really exacerbated by COVID. It was actually occurring prior to the coming of the pandemic. Um, one of the things I noticed as, an, as a working athletic administrator was that uh, there are very few young people were getting into um, secondary sport officiating. Uh, and it was, you know, to recognizing the point that that our officials pool was aging out, essentially. Um, you know, no disrespect intended, but these, you know, some of these guys weren't weren't moving like they used to move. Um, and it, you know, it impacted, in some cases, it impacted the quality of the officiating. Um, so even back when I was, you know, actively involved in athletic administration, there were those efforts to try to get kids to work high school sports. One of the things that we do at Rowan University now is encourage our undergraduate students to take a look at some of these athletic um, officials organizations. Um, you know, many times they can get out you know, they're done classes by 1.30, 2 o'clock. It's very easy to to go get to a school, local school. And uh, the money's not, it's not great, but it's still not bad, especially if you're a college student. Um, so I think the idea of getting people involved younger is really important. I think the second thing as athletic administrators, we have to talk to our parents and get them to understand that those men and those women who are out there blowing the whistle on that field are in there because they love kids and because they love the game. Um, many, and you've heard discussions, I'm sure in Florida as well, many of the folks who are getting out of officiating are getting out because of the abuse they take from their, from parents and coaches. You know, coaches, we can handle, we can, as athletic administrators, we can kind of put the hammer down there a little bit. But going out and making sure that the environment um, that these officials are coming into and working is positive enough that they want to come back. Talked before about hospitality. You know, that hospitality should extend to your officials as well. As an athletic administrator, you should be greeting them. You should be thanking them for coming. Um, encourage your students to thank officials for coming as well. Um, and just making it a situation where that official wants to come back to your school. They want to stay. Again, as I said earlier, they're not in it for the money. They're in it because they love the sport and they love the kids. Um, currently, our state um, high school athletic association, the NJSIA, is actually offering a $300 bonus uh, for new officials who are willing to come on to help defray the cost of training officials' uniforms, that sort of thing. So, you know, different athletic uh, state athletic and activity associations are addressing um, the official shortage um, the best way that they can. I like that idea about uh, um, the state association offering that uh, uh, bonus there. Uh, again, I've been doing it for a long time, but uh, you're right. For someone just starting out, uh, there is there are some startup costs involved, you know, buying the shirts and the pants. If you're doing basketball, the shoes. 
Uh, that's a great, great idea. I'm going to mention that to our uh, officials guru at our state association. Okay, great idea. Okay, see, I, I got a nugget. Actually, I got in several. Uh, there's another nugget from your uh, uh, time with us today. Dave, this has been really cool spending time with you and, and finding out a little bit more about you, but we're not done yet. Uh, we always wrap up with our athletic director toolbox segment. So we're going to take one final break. We're going to hear from Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack, who sponsored this segment. And when we come back, we're going to find out what David Souter, certified master athletic administrator, is going to put into his new AD toolbox. Please stay with us. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thanks to Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack for sponsoring the Athletic Director Toolbox segment of our podcast. Athletic surveys are a quick, easy, and affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire athletic program. At my schools, we use surveys for just about everything, for teachers, for coaches, um, even kids and parents. And the information that came back on these surveys was almost always over-the-top positive. But the surveys also allowed that squeaky wheel parent to vent a little bit. And sometimes they'd share a small problem that you could address and keep it from turning into a big problem because you didn't know about it because you hadn't done a survey. Go to athleticsurveys.com or email them at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started you've never used a survey to take the pulse of your parents or your student athletes, you're really missing out. Talk to the folks at athleticsurveys.com and let them help you take your athletic program from good to great. Welcome back, everyone. We've been spending time with David Souter, a certified master athletic administrator, a longtime AD in the state of New Jersey and still very active at the state and national level. Uh, Dave, you certainly know your way around the world of athletics, but right now I'm going to challenge you to send out a brand new athletic director on their very first job, but I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. What three items are going to go in Dave Souter's athletic director toolbox? Okay. Well, I uh, broke this down into three different things. I've, I've got a professional tip, a personal tip, and a practical tip. So professionally, I'm going to say, even as a new athletic administrator, I know the job seems overwhelming sometimes, you still need to get involved. You have to put yourself out there and recognize the fact that the reason that you are being able to be successful in your job is because the people before you stepped out and got involved. So be prepared to start giving back as soon as you possibly can. It may only be at your conference level to begin with, but eventually work your way into positions of leadership and volunteering um, statewide, and then eventually let that develop into relationships nationally as well. It's amazing how many folks you meet from various states around the country that are going through the same thing you are. So your your problems are not necessarily just in your little building. And you can gain a lot of knowledge by sharing with other individuals and by learning from them as well. My personal tip is remember that being an athletic administrator is your job. It's not your life. 
you've got to make sure you've got to make time for faith. You've got to make time for family. Those things which are the core of your existence have to have priority. Your job is going to be there. And if for some reason your job isn't, you can't do your job, they're going to find somebody to do the job. You need to make sure that you are making your faith and your family those things that make you you, that they stay a priority in your life. Don't let the job take over because it can if you let it. So be intentional about um, keeping those things to the forefront. Um, and my practical piece of advice is I tell this to every year at our new athletic directors workshop in New Jersey is don't eat lunch at your desk. Make that middle of the day, the one time you get up, get out of the office, whether it's to go take a walk around campus, whether it's to jump in your car and go sit by the river and eat your sandwich there, do something that breaks your day where you're making some time for yourself in the middle of that day. So again, my things are professionally get involved. Personally, don't let the job take over. And number three, practically get up, get away from your desk at lunchtime. Don't eat there. Go have lunch somewhere else. Well, great, great advice. Uh, it's no surprise you, you'd encourage ADs, young ADs, new ADs to get involved. But um, also those other components, uh, and I love the way you couch them, uh, you know, in your matrix there. Great, great stuff. Once again, for our listeners, uh, and listeners, I encourage you to reach out. You've got a great resource here. How do they get a hold of you, Dave, if they want to find out more? Again, the the easiest way is through via my email, again, which is david.suter, that's S-U-I-T-E-R, dot C-M-A-A at Gmail. Um, you could also find that email address on our state athletic website, um, daanj.org. Um, you could probably find a, a picture of a very younger me um, on that webpage uh, with a link uh, to my email as well. And for our NIAAA uh, member listeners, uh, that information is also on the NIAAA portal. Uh, another great way to stay in touch with our athletic directors. David Suter, thanks so much for spending time with us on the Educational AD Podcast and all the best uh, moving forward with your many, many activities. Jake, thank you. I've really enjoyed spending this time together and I uh, look forward to seeing you in Nashville. Oh, absolutely, my friend. We will uh, find time to uh, have a beverage or two. For our listeners, the Zoom recordings of every interview get uploaded to the Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. We appreciate you listening today. Come back just about every day for new content on the Educational AD Podcast. We'll see you next time. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, some really good nuggets from Dave Suter. Uh, as always, we want to thank our sponsors and we want to give a shout out to our partners, the Global Community of Women and We Coach. Check out these two great organizations. You should be involved in We Coach and the Global Community of Women in Sports. Great resources for you, great resources for your coaching staff. Take care. We'll see you next time on the Educational AD Podcast.